This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology culture and the digital age. This is episode number 10.9. I am your host, Joe Darnell, and with me is Mr. Joshua Pfeiffer. Greetings, sir. You're a co-host, right? I mean, I got the the upgrade this week, right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's what really this episode is all about. Some accolades, why I thought Joshua deserved the captain's chair. Get comfortable, man. It's all yours now. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this uh, this week. We've got a bit of a, uh, a Twilight Zone episode where we are going to have a podcast about podcasts. Oh, going meta. Wrap your mind around that. Uh, yes, this is... Interesting. This is the first episode we've had an international guest. We have Josh Nielsen from New Zealand. Hiya, Josh. You on the mic? Yep, yep. I'm here. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. You sound like you're right here in the room with me, and I'm. we're breaking the fourth wall. We're breaking the semblance of reality that we're all in the same space, just lounging, kicking back, uh, having a couple of Cokes and talking <laughs> about tech. That's uh, that's not happening this week. It's uh, 136 where you're at right now, right? Correct. That's crazy. I love this. I'm sorry. I said I would not be the nerdy American that was going to talk about the differences in our time zones. And here I am. This is about Josh and what we do with podcasting as podcasters. <laughs> Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Really happy to be here. We're doing something a little bit different. We're, we're talking about one of your own products. You're not just some sort of power user with, of tech that's using it for some particular niche industry. You're actually providing a service for podcasters. You have a very interesting product. Uh, yes. Yeah. So Zencaster.com is my product. What it is, it's a tool for quality conscious podcasters to help them record their podcast guests in high quality, particularly aimed at people that use uh, like Skype or Hangouts or other VoIP solutions and that are kind of disgruntled with the uh, robotic or poor quality that you typically get um, using regular call recorders. It records you each guest locally using their web browser and then uploads the files to your Dropbox account. Okay. And so what is your background before getting into this, into Zencaster? What led to Zencaster? Oh, a long road of misery and failures mm. until I finally found something that... Um, now we know you're an honest app developer. <laughs> that's, this, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, where, where do you want me to start? I can start with when I started programming or I can start with when I started doing... Sure. How long have you been in programming and web development and the like? Okay. So when I, I guess about 2008 or so, I was in college and um, I took a HTML and CSS class and I thought, oh, I know how to make websites now. And I got a job as the webmaster for the School of Business, Computing, and Government at the university. And they put me in charge of this big programming dynamic website. And I had no idea how to do it. And I don't think that universities and the like have caught on. It's going to take a few more generations for businesses in general to really realize what they're doing when they they drop a project like that on the, on the new guy. Yeah, like they, nobody there knew enough about the the job to know that I didn't that I was completely unqualified and I didn't know enough to know that I was completely unqualified. So it kind of worked out, <laughs> but I just had them buy me some books and I spent that Christmas like reading programming books. And then, um, so that was kind of how I jump started my career. Um, and then I dropped out of college with one semester left to take a job at a startup. Mm. 
you belong in Silicon Valley. Nice. <laughs> you know, I've avoided it so far. Um, but you know, what I've, what I did is after uh, some time at that startup, I got the entrepreneurial bug myself and I went to the place that I think is better than Silicon Valley, which is Boulder, Colorado. Um, oh, I have to agree with you there. I was only there a couple of weeks ago enjoying some good brews on vacation. <laughs> it's an excellent place. Oh yeah. The micro brews there. Awesome. Boulder actually has a higher density of uh, startups per capita than any other city in the world. I hear a great number of programmers. Yeah. Lots of programmers, lots of startups. And so, and it's such a small place that you kind of can really get to know the community and know each other. And it was just a really great place to kind of learn more about building companies, programming. and So can we say that Boulder, Colorado inspired Zencaster? That that was where it all got started? That's the, the impetus? Uh, it definitely had a, a big part of kind of the foundations of it. The idea for Zencaster actually came when I was working on a different company. I was trying to get into Techstars, uh, a, a startup incubator, and I flew to um, San Antonio because it was one that they did there. Kind of, They do that's like Techstars for a day. And one of the mentors there keyed me off to this idea that podcasters have a need for you know getting their audio files managed and transferred. And the recording part hadn't come into view yet, but that was kind of where the idea all started. It's a, it's a very good idea because... It's a niche market. I mean, there's, I don't know how many thousands of podcasters out there, but but it's a huge technical problem that, that we need to overcome as we're starting up podcasts. And, you know, if you can come up with an all-in-one solution, that's a very good idea. Yeah. One of the reasons I like Zencaster on paper is that it's device and platform agnostic. It's not catering to the needs of the Apple community. You know, there's a lot of us out there. A lot of people think that podcasts are all about the people who use iTunes day in and day out. It's not. Podcasts are available to all kinds of people on the internet. It's it's not about Macs and iPhones and podcast apps in the App Store. It's really about anybody who has a great topic and some people who have things to share. And you can do that online and more and more people are doing that. You're seeing that there's a wave of professional radio personalities that are moving more and more of their content to the internet. And it wouldn't have to be called a podcast or a webcast or internet radio. We just haven't come up with a better name for it. I almost want to say, hey, can we just adopt the name Zencaster? Try that on for size? and uh, or, or should I say Zencast? Can we just call them all Zencasts? Can we all agree to that? Because we need something that seems... <laughs> really platform agnostic. And that's one of the reasons I like your product because it just works. I'm never going to be faced with that awkward question from other guests when using your service where people say, well, I'm sorry, I don't have iTunes, so I can't be on your show. And I'm like, mm. no, 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 that's, that's not going to happen. Clearly. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just approaching the wrong guests. Hmm. I have to think about that, but <laughs> Zencaster, you go into it a little bit more and, and tell us the real added value that this really presents, because I, I don't know if everybody was listening earlier maybe need to wake them up because this is a big deal for any of our listeners that are podcasters. I want them to seriously consider what you're doing here. Cause this is like an answer to prayer level of <laughs> dealing with our concerns. Well, so I have a good friend who's a podcaster. And once I started thinking about pursuing this idea, I went to him and kind of was like, is this a real problem? You know, what, what's going on? Tell me about it, you know, for you personally. 
what he told me his story and what I found is this is almost a universal problem. Most people have remote guests on their podcast these days, uh, which is awesome. You can interview for, for someone from anywhere around the world and you can get higher profile guests because they don't have to be in your city. But the problem is, is when they record um, all the previous solutions, record it through Skype or Hangouts after their audio has been compressed and sent over the wire. And depending on your internet connection, you get dropouts, you get robotic voices, you get all kinds of glitches and weird weirdness like that. So what he was doing, and a lot of people are doing this still, is telling the guest, get Audacity or get some type of recording program. We're all going to hit record at the same time. We're going to do a clap so that I can sync the audio later. After the show, you're going to need to export your audio. You're going to need to convert it to an MP3. You're going to need to send it to me. It just ends up being a lot to ask from a guest, especially if they're a one-off. It does, and nobody wants to do it. Yeah, and and especially if you have a high-profile guest, you might not even feel comfortable telling them to do anything because you just want you're just happy they're on your show. Yeah, it introduces the possibility of more human error. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was kind of I was like, okay, wow, there really does seem to be a pain point here. And I think right at the same time that all this was happening, the browsers came out with the new ability to get audio from the microphone and to process audio. And so I was like, okay, I think there's a there's a good solution here. Mm. Okay, so it's called Zencaster, currently in beta, high-fidelity podcasting. Record your guests in top quality directly from their web browser. You made a beautiful website. It explains it all quite clearly. It, it Basically, what you do, the steps involved are you start a call by going to your Zencaster account. You say, here's a new project. It gives you a link. You give everyone that you're going to have in the Skype chat the link and they all go to the same webpage at Zencaster.com. From there, you can identify who has the mic on. So the director, the person who initiated the call, the podcast, says, I'm ready to arm all the microphones. He presses a button, and everybody's microphone is now armed. Then he presses record, and right there from the web browser, you can see that Zencaster is doing its job. This doesn't influence the audio program like, say, Logic or audacity that you're using to record audio locally. It doesn't tamper with anything concerning call recorder, which is something that we use here uh, to gather the audio locally as well. It's all happening over the internet. It's not a busy website. You don't have ads popping up in your face. I'm not concerned that you're going to spam me with my, my email later. There's a pay for tier, which puts some of my mind at ease where you're going to introduce features that are in the making to, uh, to sweeten the deal and give people more with the audio. I, I got a little bit off track. Let me back up here a second. <laughs> the way that the audio is recorded is it's recorded over the internet using Zencaster. And as you put it, Josh, as you explained it to me, there is the audio saved as an MP3 into the local RAM of my computer and everybody else's that is on the Skype call. And every now and then that gets updated and uploaded to my Dropbox account as the person who started the Zencaster project. Is that correct? Yeah. Essentially it streams MP3s from each participant up to your Dropbox account. You have such a way with words. I think you should be a podcaster. (laughs) Soon. (laughs) So now explain to me what your ambitions are with the extra features of Zencaster. So... uh... 
I've come to realize as I've been working with people who have signed up for Zencaster a little bit more of who the demographic is. Um, there's definitely, uh, it's attractive to seasoned podcasters, but most of them are quite happy with just what the way, what it does right now. They just want the raw audio files and then they do their post-production from there. However, the new podcasters don't aren't audio engineers. They're not familiar with the whole system and how it works. And so what I'm trying to do is make it so that you don't need to know really anything about podcasting uh, in order to record and produce a show. So I'm going to be adding, um, well, I've just recently added automatic post-production, which um, puts all your fi- syncs your files together, puts them into one track, and then runs uh, denoising and adaptive loudness leveling, um, normalizes the tracks. Can you pick and choose between the different effects that you want to apply? Uh, soon. Right now, I just kind of picked like, here's what generally is going to make it sound really good. Uh, yeah, definitely in the future, you'll be able to configure those things. I'll probably have a button that says make it sound good. And then it'll have like an advanced <laughs> thing that says, okay, I know what I'm doing. I don't want the the cross gating. I just want this and that. So this all sounds very complicated. Is it going to be taxing for bandwidth, streaming, sampling? Uh, should we be concerned that all of our audio files are going to crash in the internet while they're making it their way to my Dropbox? No, because I mean, ob- well, obviously there's always a chance that the internet is going not going to be performing when you need it to. That's why Zencaster it always keeps a local copy of the recording. And then as soon as you stop the recording, each one of us is going to be prompted to download a local backup of our audio, just in case for whatever reason, Dropbox fails or the internet fails or whatever other issues might happen. So 99% of the time it just works. But in that case that the internet is having problems, you'll still be able to have those files saved and then uh, gather them later. It also shows here on your website, though, I I don't think I would ever take advantage of this option that I could use Skype or is that Google Chat? Uh, Yeah, the the Google Hangouts is another popular choice for... um... See, that just goes to show you how much I know about Google products. I'm still calling them (laughs) Google Chat. Excuse me. Uh, Google Hangouts. Skype is definitely the, the, the front runner as far as podcasters, though. Yeah, I have a few friends, a friend of the show who's been on the show. Uh, he loves Google Hangouts. Is uh, Jacob Lamont. Anytime mm-hmm. I have anything to do with screencasting with him, sometimes he helps me out with my HTML and things like that. He'll start a Google Hangout and we're working there. I really like that service. I just haven't taken it seriously as a podcaster. Are any of your beta testers using Google Hangouts and what experiences they have they had? Um, yeah, there's definitely people that use Hangouts. Zencaster is pretty agnostic about what you use. I mean, you could use, you could have, you could be, uh, you just using it on a phone call. It doesn't really affect the way that Zencaster works. Mm. So as long as your your PC or your or your Mac's uh, microphone is hooked up to the internet, I could be talking with on a phone call to someone else, basically. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't integrate with Skype or Hangouts at all. It just runs alongside them. Huh. So, do you have any concerns moving forward making this parability with Skype or Google Hangouts, whether you'll be allowed to get Zengaster to work with them? I'm just wondering about the, the technical difficulties. I imagine it's rather straightforward at this time that you don't really have to get permission from something under the hood within Skype or Google Hangouts or the phone calls or even. Yeah, I don't foresee there being any changes there because you know my signal path doesn't even go through those programs. I'm getting the audio directly from your microphone. 
I'm especially annoyed with how Skype has developed over the years. I'm I'm a fan of a, a good messaging service, and I, I'm really interested in what could be done with a service like Skype. It just doesn't seem like Skype wants to be the number one. They're resting on their laurels. They, they think they are number one or something. And yeah, I know over the years, many of us podcasters have faced issues with Skype where we would have the digital noise and too much compression and everybody's voices start to get out of sync. Someone's lagging behind. It makes it very difficult to record a good podcast mm. when we have hiccups with, that are always going back to Skype. It usually is a Skype issue. A couple of times, it, no one knew it, but you know Joshua here wasn't able to join a call or log into his account for the show. Yeah. And it seems like they had to do with failings of Skype for its part. Well, you know, in the future, I think, you know, Skype is actually going to lose its kind of dominant position. I think it's already happening. Absolutely. One of the things that is in the future for Zencaster, you know, maybe not immediately, but uh, as soon as it becomes more feasible, is I can actually, the technology is already there for us to do this without Skype, where we could actually do the call through the browser have it run through the website and kind of facilitate the whole thing. So in the future that, you know, if there ever were any issues doing it this way, you could always switch to, you, you basically now the browsers can set up their own VoIP call with other users. So that, I think that's the future. I, I, <laughs> this just sounds so good, Josh. The more <laughs> I think about it, I, I love your product. I, I, I am having special feelings about Zencaster right now. <laughs> How do people report bugs and, you know, know that you're working on the issues? If people need to depend on your product, it's always wise to have some backup solutions. I'm running two backups, uh, two backup recordings of this show, and we're also recording it in Zencaster. So if something should go awry, I will be okay and we'll be able to still make this show. Mm -hmm. But I know that podcasters want to heavily depend on what they're using. And that's, again... One of the main reasons that we are concerned about the the future of Skype. How do people know that the future of Zencaster is bright because you're listening to the concerns of your your user base? Um, I talk to them, so I actually have an open feedback forum. I use a, a Reddit actually. It's a subreddit. It's Reddit.com/r/Zencaster. Anybody who has bugs can file them there. You can see all the bugs that other people have had. You can comment and like vote other bugs up and down. And I basically, my goal and philosophy around that is if I get filed a bug, I contact you right away and I offer to do a Skype call if necessary and try and get it fixed as soon as possible. And I've found that um, people respond pretty well to that. Even you know, early, earlier on in Zencaster's life, I've had some pretty catastrophic failures where I've uh, either lost or almost lost people's audio. And what I found is they're actually quite forgiving if you just talk to them and, you know, apologize, fix the problem. And some of my most loyal users are people that I've really kind of screwed over in the past, but I've just <laughs> communicated well with them. Well, you've... You've never lost Joe's audio, so <laughs> you might not want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 those, those should be uh, th those bugs are behind us now. But there was sometimes, there were a few times when uh, things didn't go quite as planned. Unfortunately, <laughs> he seems friendly. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. What you're hearing in the microphone, this is all a ruse. This isn't the real Joe. <laughs> Just too wait. Yeah, wait till we, we stop the recording and it chews you out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to hear what you're doing with the product. Uh, it, is, it all sounds very great. Any other comments you have about Zencaster before we move on to the next topic? No, I think you've, I think you already did a pretty good job explaining everything. We don't, I don't, I don't want to belabor the point. So I've, I've got a quick question. How have you, uh, I guess, reached out and, and marketed this so far to the, to the beta users? Let's see. Actually, it's going to be buying some books on marketing pretty soon because that's not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nobody's forte. If we're content creators, we don't know how to market. <laughs> that's exactly why I asked this question because I want to know. Right, right. So my, my first attempt was just through Twitter. I just got on Twitter and I searched for people that were talking about recording podcasts and I followed them and talked, just kind of said, hey, check this out. A lot of people signed up through that. Then someone posted Zencaster on an application called Product Hunt or a website called Product Hunt. Mm -hmm. And it's where people find new products. And I got a pretty decent amount of traffic and signups through that. Uh, we recently bought a booth at the Podcast Movement Conference mm. that happened two or three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It was, turned out to be a pretty, uh, pretty cool conference. It's the second time they've done that one. And it's they get over a thousand podcasters there. And it was really helpful for us to get the word out and then also kind of get a feel for, uh, you know, talk, being able to talk personally with a lot of podcasters was really helpful. Mm. You know, looking forward, you know, I've bought some ads on Facebook and Reddit and some other things. Those don't really seem to be that effective. So my, my next big marketing play is I'm going to be starting a podcast for Zencaster where I talk about well, I'm not 100% sure yet, but I think it's going to be a bit of a podcast about starting your own podcast. Can, can I make a couple of suggestions? Please, please do. I think the best podcasts are the ones where you have a story or a topic to explore and you, you didn't go into it because you just wanted to have a podcast. And now that you have a, a very good looking product, you are a very capable app developer did I say Apple developer? I meant app developer. <laughs> I think that your podcast is going to be one of good quality and substance that a lot of the technology enthusiasts would want to hear about. So uh, what I would suggest is that when you're discussing various topics on the Zencaster podcast, that you discuss the issues and concerns of developers, like what you face from top to bottom running the business doing this as your main hustle or your side hustle. I'm not sure which one it is. And be totally open and honest because developers love open and honest developers. They want to hear about the troubles and the stresses, the pain points that you faced and how you overcame those problems, how you solved them, how you, how you cracked it along the way. They want to hear about your personal experiences, what you're thinking about podcasts in general. They want to hear what you think about this industry and what you're doing with your product, a, a very agnostic product as th like this, you realize how few there are like you developing a product like this that appeals to everyone. You're, you're designing something that's interesting to audio engineers that have nothing to do with podcasting. If they just wanted to have good audio and they couldn't be present in the same space for an interview, you know, and the people they wanted to interview on the other side of the world that audio could be used a myriad of ways. Hmm. So I think that that users will eventually find other great reasons to use Zencaster. I think that you could basically journal anything and everything to do with your business, the product, 
and how you're viewing the the medium throughout your show. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. I definitely want to kind of have it be about the progress of Zencaster because that's something that I feel like I can kind of bare my soul a little bit more about. And so I think it might be kind of about starting a podcast, but in the context of starting a podcast to market you know, a, my new product and how the product is going, how the podcast is going, how they're working together. Because I want something that will be interesting to someone who maybe is just a podcaster and not so interested in the the application and also to others. But yeah, I'm still trying to nail that down exactly how that would work and if I need a co-host or if I should just be, you know, interviewing people or... What did you learn or pick up from the podcast movement? Were there any ideas that especially sparked the ideas behind your podcast? Yes. Podcast movement was really cool. One big takeaway is like podcasting is really, you know, it's taking off. I think, you know, we finally have now hit the inflection point that people have been waiting for for the past 10 years. I think so. People are really excited about it. One of the really big takeaways was how many new podcasters there are. The vast majority of the people that came to the Zencaster booth were either brand new or aspirational podcasters. That was something that I don't know if I had really had sunk into me yet. I knew more people were listening to podcasts. I didn't know that there was that many more people that were planning on getting into it themselves. But I think it's really, really smart because especially if you have a product of some sort, podcasting is an amazing marketing channel because it gives you a way to provide value and at the same time, let people get to know you on a personal level and get them interested in what you're doing. And at that point, the marketing, your product, it kind of happens on its own because they're interested in what you're talking about. They're interested in you. And now they're interested in what you're what you're producing. Yeah. This has happened for other podcasters. It's happened for YouTubers, bloggers, and people who find that you are genuine, you have a great uh, product that people are interested in. It doesn't matter what the medium is that you're using to incite people's interest. If you have something that's worthwhile and people take an interest because they read your blog, then there you go. That's evidence that blogs still work today. And the same is also true about YouTube shows. And I know a great number of YouTubers that are taking the same approach. Uh, Podcasts just happen to be a different sort of experience. Not everybody has the time to sit down and give their full concentration to videos. We discussed that with Caleb on last week's episode, where he enjoys the YouTube video for the fact that the audience is giving him more of their attention every time they stop to watch a video. But not everybody has that luxury, and so even Caleb recognizes the benefit of offering people content as a podcast as well. So he is reaching people by multiple mediums. Mm. And I think that this is what's happening over time with the internet. You're going to see more and more video content, text content, and purely audio content side by side, because not everybody has the time or the attention to focus on all of the above. They only have the one or the other. And say, I prefer audio content, then maybe I can get that and listen to it in the car. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have nothing to do right now. I'm hanging out and some video content would be really stimulating. So yeah, there's definitely a place for the future of podcasters. And it's great to see this movement where we have conferences of our own and we're feeding off of each other. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, definitely an exciting time to be involved with podcasting, and f- it was a little bit just serendipitous for me because I got started on Zencaster before this thing happened. So I was like, "Oh, awesome!" <laughs> I was uh, going to say, you know, just as a word of en- encouragement, you know, the the uh, the old story about the the gold rush, the person that got the most wealthy was the, the Levi Strauss. The, I think it was Le- Strauss or something, the, the guy that was selling the the Levi jeans to the people that were going out there and, and doing the work. So. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad position to be in. Although I do think, you know, part of the responsibility that Zencaster has eventually is going to be to try and help people, you know, monetize as well as that happens. It'll kind of help the entire ecosystem and Zencaster as well. So we don't want to just be fleecing the gold miners, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way when you put it that way. But the point is, I don't think selling selling jeans was was fleecing. It was providing a really valuable service, and that's a you know that's a good thing. That's how everyone should get wealthy is by providing quality goods and quality services to other people. So that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, I'm a fan of the gold rushes. My great great was it my great great? Yeah, yes, it was my great great grandfather struck it rich in California. Came back and bought up a huge portion of North Georgia, and that is why there is the Darnell family dynasty in North Georgia today. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm all in favor of it. Well, it was, it, it makes some interesting family stories. He was nearly assassinated and other times the um, Confederate soldiers wanted to kill him and huh. it was Northern Yankees, you know, they came in and rescued his life. Uh, we'll talk about that on another podcast <laughs> for another day. Yeah, that's the whole show right there, I think. <laughs> So we wanted to move on to another topic for us to discuss, and I, I'd like to discuss this with Josh, a guy who works behind the scenes, the the underpinnings of the future of podcasting. Zencaster is going to take the world by storm, and so I think everybody's going to want to hear how he likes to digest his podcasts, what he listens to, how he listens to them, and we'll talk about our favorite apps, the hardware we use whether we listen to them in the car or while we're exercising, you know, what programs we use to listen to podcasts. And I think this is a little bit interesting to me. I'm getting a little geeky here and this is meta. I, I hate to call it this, but it's a little bit kind of like navel gazing, but hopefully you'll bear with us because if you have taken an interest in podcasts, you don't have to be a podcaster to care about them. You can always improve your experience just listening to podcasts. So Joshua, what are you using to listen to shows? Well, I typically listen in the car and I typically use Overcast, mainly because that seems to be the go-to uh, app of choice of all techie nerds as of today. So I wanted to be part of the crowd and not miss anything. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do, I did read recently that I think 80% of podcasts are still consumed with the Apple podcast app. I thought that was a huge number, really surprising since it's really not the greatest of apps and and honestly a couple of years back when they when they broke podcasts out of the music app on the phone is is kind of when I stopped listening to podcasts slowly over time just because the the podcast app was so bad and what kind of shows are you listening to just in the car well I mean typically just the some some competition you know different tech podcasts uh, <laughs> I know a business podcast or two I think right now I'm in the middle of uh a Mac Power Users episode. That's a sizable list. <laughs> Ten different subscriptions or nothing to sneeze at. It's hard to get through these shows. Yeah, I, I just can't I can't keep up with all of them, but you know. Okay. All things considered, you're a low-key podcast listener, but there are plenty of podcasters I know 
who don't make an awful lot of time to geek out and listen to, you know, 40, 50 shows or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to say I have to be in the minority. I listen to a heck of a lot of podcasts. We'll get to in a minute. <laughs> Josh, what do you use? And uh, how long have you been interested in like really listening to shows? Like you you said earlier, you just kind of discovered uh, the interests and needs of this market. So what's been your experience as a listener? I've I've listened to podcasts you know, for several years now, kind of infrequently, but I don't know that I thought of them as podcasts. I was just thinking, oh, it's the next show. Cause I, you know, some of some people do like they have a podcast and they also have like a Ustream and they also have like a video they put up on YouTube or whatever. So I tend to listen to pod. I work from home, so I don't have a commute and iTunes kind of sucks for like downloading podcasts and stuff. <laughs> it does. So what I typically do is I go to like the webpage of the podcaster because I'll usually like see on Twitter that they've got a new show and I go to their webpage and I just play it from there. Sometimes it's like a SoundCloud thing. If I am on the move, maybe I should be embarrassed to admit I've just been using like the regular podcast app. No, no. I know many people who are (laughs) still using it. No shame there. Part of the 80%. It works fine if you know what show you want to listen to. It's terrible for discoverability. So, and I, I downloaded Stitcher. I've used it a couple of times. I I don't know. Didn't jump out at me. I'm not a fan of Stitcher. I understand what they're going for. I think that they approached it from a very different uh, model that they wanted to think of it as radio that happens to be streamable. And from there, they made all kinds of uh, feature choices, you know, um, subscription based features and the like where they interpreted it through the lens of like mass media consumption that led to some quirks of the app that, uh, yeah, they just don't really suit my taste. And I know a lot of people who you either love it or hate it. You got into it, introduced to the app earlier on when you were exposed to podcasts and it helped you because you were accustomed to public radio and you were thinking of podcasts a little bit more of the way you consume media on the internet in general, Mm -hmm. it's novelty just fell into place for you, just made sense for you. But then if you're, if you didn't come at it that way, if you wanted a different experience with podcasting, approaching it with more novel sensibilities, I think you'll be disappointed with that app. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually just got off the, well, not, it was maybe about a month ago. I got on a call with the a guy who's working on a, a new um, app called Tongue.fm. I'm actually pretty excited for it because it introduces a, a monetization strategy for podcasters. It'll be an app on your phone that um, will let you quickly send tips to the podcasters. And um, I was trying to, t- I was actually trying to talk him into doing like a recurring tipping thing as well. And I think it also will let you um, quickly grab excerpts from the show and then share those on like Twitter. So you could just like grab like a sentence or two and or like a quick part and share it, which I thought was a pretty cool feature as well. So stay tuned for that one. Yep. Tongue.fm is their website. You can check it out and sign up for their email list if you want to be notified about their updates. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's developed by Inorganic Produce. I like their website too is the designer in me and just <laughs> had to mention it. They ha- have a beautifully animated graphic of a tree made up of circuitry on their homepage. And uh, yeah, so they got some great designers and developers, I'm sure behind the scenes, interested to see what's going on in their future. And I thought it should be uh, worth mentioning. We've named the podcast app, the iTunes Mac app. There's two other powerful players. Well, 
there's really just one that we haven't mentioned here. Well, there are some others as well. You know, there's uh, downcasts, uh, there's RSS radio, and many others that that are able to manage your your podcasts with subscriptions, download the podcasts and listen to them later on the go or stream them. Not using any of those right now, just trying to keep it simple like everyone else. Try to stick to one means of getting to the content and digesting it myself. So these days I'm using Overcast. Yeah, it's uh, like Joshua said, it's the hip thing to do. If you're not using Overcast, who are you and what are you doing with your life? <laughs> but no, actually, it's got some pretty sweet features. I like it for the smart speed. And then secondarily, every now and then I use the equalizer when I'm in my car because my car is not a very loud car, but with the rumble of driving on the interstate and in a noisy area of traffic, it can be kind of hard to hear the various frequency ranges between bass, you know, mid-range and and the treble. So I turn on the EQ and then everything is, is listenable when I'm in the car in that kind of cave. Yeah. Overcast for the win. I have about 40 to 50 different podcasts I'm subscribed to from week to week. It varies as I'm listening to different kinds of shows. And every now and then I return to one when I, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's been great, but I want to uh, see what else is out there. And then I come back around and it's like, yeah, see, I'll check back in. Well, what have you been up to lately? And, and uh, catch up on old episodes of a show that I heard previously. The fun thing about podcasts is that you don't have to be this ridiculously nerdy about it. You can just, you know, get the app that's already on your phone. If you don't have one, say you're on Android, I'd recommend that you get Pocket Casts. I've used them before. It's available on iOS as well. It's a very sweet app. And it's got my favorite color for the interface. I would love to talk to the developers of Pocket Cast sometime just because they're also trying to be platform agnostic. They're available on both, but I think that the majority of their user active users today are on Android. So I'm interested to see what the future is because there there isn't a very large podcast listener base. Uh, percentages wise on Android devices. I think that that goes back to what I've said before that a lot of people think that the, the podcast medium is somehow tied to Apple's culture. So that discourages a great number of people for giving it a try. Like you pointed out earlier, Josh, you don't have to have a, a pocketable device at all. You can just use your, your computer's web browser, go to the website where there is a podcast and usually listen to it from the source. And that works. Uh, our friend Jonathan Sampson up at Microsoft, I noticed uh, many a time when I would w- be working with him that he'd be listening to a show right off of the player on a podcast website. So it's it's not crazy. And, and if you want to just bookmark those websites, return to them from week to week, whatever floats your boat, get to the shows you like. You don't have to be over the top like I am and listen to an insane number of shows. Howard, how do you fit all those shows in? Or is it because you, you have a commute or do you work while you do it? Or do you just spend all your free time pod listening? That's a very good question. I work from home like you do, and I keep them all on the phone. So with wireless headphones, if I'm doing graphic design during the day and I don't really need to use all of my concentration, I'll listen to a podcast while I'm doing graphic design and illustrator and design and Photoshop. Mm. And then when I'm getting up, uh, getting the water, checking the mail, doing dishes upstairs, whatever it is while I'm taking a break, I'm just I'm still streaming the podcasts I'm listening to on my wireless headphones. I may even forget to pick up my iPhone and leave it on the desk. Then every now and then going to pick up the kids, 
at school, take them to school. Uh, we actually listened to a couple of podcasts together. The kids are into a podcast that we're listening together as a you know family. And uh, they're not like into podcasts. Sorry, my kids are normal kids. They just happen to like this show that has kids on it. <laughs> and because it has kids on the show, we listen to it together in the car. And then, yeah, if I'm, if I happen to be exercising at home, I'll listen to more shows. That's how I manage it. It's so I have a lot of time where I'm just at home alone when I don't need my ears and my hearing attention elsewhere. And it sounds crazy to have 40 subscriptions. Even, even then I <laughs> I'm listening to everything a little bit accelerated and I don't know where I'd be without smart speed. And when a show begins to drag for too long over the two hour mark, I'm deleting it. I love you guys. Better luck next time and try to keep it under two hours. If the topic just loses my interest, I'll skip it, but I'm not going to delete the subscription. If the show is still good, I'll check it out next time when they have a different topic. Yeah. I I feel you on that. that Sometimes they tend to drag. What do you make of, have you ever stopped? Have you ever deleted a subscription because of the audio quality? A few times, it's not usually the capital penalty. It's it's not the main reason I would quit a show. I listened to many a show when I was really interested in the topic in spite of the audio quality, but it certainly it, it inspires loyalty. I, I like to imagine that my show has relatively decent audio here. I don't have too many listeners that have complained. A couple of my guests have complained about my audio. I respect them for telling me openly and honestly what they think. That's great. <laughs> From one podcaster to another, we're just trying to help each other out, right? It's brutal honesty. Mm. Good for us. Uh, I I would say that's low on my concerns, but at the same time, I think I know where you're going with this. You're thinking about this from the Zencaster angle. Well, I've, I'm, I've got a blog post that I'm working on right now where I've been polling different communities about this and trying to come up with the... But yeah, it would be for the Zencaster uh, blog. I think that a lot of us enjoy what's almost like a seemingly transcendent experience from a really well-produced show like uh, 99% Invisible mm. or um, Robert McGinley Myers' Anxious Machine. I know they're, they have extremely different budgets, but Robert does a great job to make his show sound brilliant. And you check it out, it reminds you of the quality they're putting out at 99% Invisible. So it definitely inspires more listening. And I know people who want to marathon a podcast where, where the, when they're on a road trip and they'll just download a bunch of episodes, listen to them back to back. It's got to be easier on the ears when you're listening to them for hours on end. Yeah, yeah. I, so just um, in case you're interested, I, I went into several different communities and I dropped some polls and said like, Hey, do you ever stop listening to a podcast because of the audio quality? And if so, do you tell the host? And what I found was actually depending on the community, it it varied quite a bit. Like in the podcaster communities, 85 to 90% are like, no way will I listen to a podcast with bad audio quality, but they're, they make their own podcasts and they put a lot of effort into making their audio good. And so I can see why they feel that way. Whereas if I go into a community where they're not podcasters, they're just com- consumers, they're much more forgiving where maybe like only 45% of them will say that they've st- stopped listening to a show. And that's a very rele- relevant statistic. There's probably still a very low number of us that are actually podcasters and audiophiles and 
you know, audio engineers for radio, mm -hmm. but that number is growing, but so is the audience as a whole. There's just going to be a heck of a lot more listeners that have no experience in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, the interesting part was that no matter what the percentage that stopped listening was almost none of the ones that stopped listening said that they tell the host. So they just leave and don't come back and they don't say why. Yep. And I thought that was, um, I thought that was interesting. It makes sense to me because the majority of people who consume online content don't feel like they have a relationship with the content creator. You know, if there's a blogger you like, you read his article, you may not be inspired to even notice who wrote the article. You'll move on from website to website and you're just trying to, to digest interesting content and, and topics discussed abroad. Mm -hmm. It's not very often that people take notice of who created the thing and then feel the need to uh, like respect a two-way relationship. They're not going to view it as a two-way street, not most of the time. Yeah. I do know there are options that folks can call in. So that that's always a, a thought moving forward. Yeah, that would be really cool in the future. That'll be definitely down the road for Zencaster. But I think what Spreaker allows people to do that, I believe blog talk as well. And there's definitely a, there's definitely a whole, it's almost like a subsect of the podcasters who are into like the live show model. It's definitely interesting. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this uh, episode, episode 10.9. Joshua, we haven't told anyone what we're going to do for the version number next week. We're just going to have to wait and listen. <laughs> I'm, I'll be just as surprised, I suppose. We're going to go crazy right off the rails. You're going to blow your minds. No, actually, it's just a podcast, and uh, it's just us. We're going to keep it low-key. We're going to keep it simple. Return to some sanity, I think. Josh, it was great having you on this episode, sir. I'd love to have you back, and we can talk more about podcasts uh, in the, the not-too-distant future. Maybe we'll have you back before Christmas. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you for having me. This will make the end of episode 10.9. If you'd like to retrieve the show notes and links, you'll find them at tectonic.fm slash 10-9. If you want to chat with us, the show is at Tectonic FM on Twitter. I am at underscore Joe Darnell, and my co-host is at Joshua Pfeiffer. Josh, who are you on Twitter? At Josh on the web. We'll have that in the show notes as well. But if you'd rather, you can also email us if you want to reach us that way at hello at tectonic.fm. I am Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to the Tectonic Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>